0: and turn to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Chapter one. We'll read it in the King James and the New Living. My wife bought me a Bible with both of them in there. My other one blew a tire. I'm gluing it back together. Verse 8, King James, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. New Living Translation, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Father, Lord, I thank you for... This opportunity today and I know that if you had not come commissioned and sent by the Father I couldn't preach this message today but because you have and because you have willed us to be involved in your mission help me Lord to encourage and exhort today to expose and to exhort what our purpose and job is. God, anoint this hour and anoint these words and this messenger in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was 15 turning 16, I didn't have anything fancy like this. I had two leather side pouches. Now, people like Jody Allgood here today and Doug, y'all all all know what this is all about. And when I was 16, I went from Kenny's Shoe Store in Belvedere. Some of you may know where that's at. Some of you may think that's not even in America, but it is. It's off Glenwood. I can't remember the name of the road it run on, but... That's where I, I went to high school, Towers High School. I grew up in the It was Columbia Drive. That's right. Thank you. So anyway, <clears throat> the first day on the job, I didn't know what to take other than me. When I showed up, I was issued a pouch, not a little stinking level like this, a chalk box, in case you didn't know what that was. Back then, I thought that's the most ridiculous thing that came out and that nobody should ever be so cheap to use, only to find out that's all I use. Be careful what you say. And a tape. That's a wood chisel. That didn't come later in life. And a nail puller I didn't get, which I've got one here. But this is the, not the first hammer that was issued to me. But it was my second hammer. You can kind of, it looks rusty. And I hang on to it to remind me that I used to have a real job. (laughs) Now, some of you say that preachers don't work and that they don't have a real job. Well, I used to have a real job. This is evidence. And I used to bring a paycheck home with this to my wife. When I put this thing on, I thought I was going to get the carpenter. I was a glorified lumber toter. (laughs) For one solid year, he made me, my brother-in-law, ex now, he made me wear my pouch. My first hammer was a 32-ounce long wood handle. Some of you may know. And I had to carry that thing. And I, God, made, God made my rear end shorter to the sidewalk than some of you. And my hammer would hit the floor and then the mud. And it hit me in the back of the cat. And I go, why do I have to wear this? Because all I am is a slave. All I do is tote lumber and hand it up. When am I going to get a chance to use my hammer? Now don't get me wrong, I thought about a couple of places where to put this in all my frustration. <laughs> but I wanted to drive nails. And my day finally came. We were on Church Street in a set of apartments. And I had this long hammer. And we were on an apartment, two subfloor. It was a subfloor about three foot higher than the other. And I was on the bottom plate, and I was watching them take that nail and set it and hit it. And one time, it was in. Well, I said, I'm going to do the same thing. I took and set that nail, and I went. And when I did, it reflected off that floor system and hit me in the knee. I couldn't tote lumber anymore. I couldn't walk my first time to show off that I could be something. And I blew it. For over a year, I wondered why have all the Now, if you don't think this isn't heavy, Jody, do I don't have half of what he had. And he framed my house. I don't have half in here. What he puts is heavy. But you know what? I wasn't satisfied. I became one of those nail drivers that you hit it one time and you sunk her. But there were nail drivers that were around me that made me look slow. But it doesn't matter how many times it takes for you to nail that stud. If you don't know where the stud is supposed to go on the layout, if you don't know that it's supposed to be flush, And then when your walls are up, then you have to plumb them. I didn't, I had to learn a whole new language of life. Plumb, level, 45, nail, 8 penny, 6 penny, 16 penny. I had to learn all of that. And how to square a wall, I had to learn all that. But you know what? I eventually had all the proper tools, but if I did not put those into practice and frame the wall, the house would not get built. Those tools, even though back then was like you had to come out of $50 out of your paycheck, I'm not sure you can buy the pouch today for $50. I don't know. But guess what? Those tools would mean absolutely nothing. Even with all the knowledge, I learned to lay out, read plants, read plans, cut rafters. Right I learned all of that. Only if I didn't use it, it was worthless. Acts 1 8. You shall be witnesses unto me. It was Jesus. Can I tell you what I've learned? Not only in the construction world, but why God called me to pastor, an old framer. Why He wanted to put me in this. I could not tell you, because I haven't mastered this. It's almost mastered me. It's almost done me in. But you know what I've learned? Today, I want you to know I love you with all my heart. But some of you have all the tools that God ever intended to give a Christian, but you ain't using them. You're not being used to the potential that God came through his son, nailed to the cross to save you. You're not letting God use you. You're not being a good nail driver. I'll take it in, I'll take it in now. If God's just saved you and you're young, I'll accept that. Just like I had to wear the tools even though I didn't know how to use them. But when I became mature in that trade, at least as a nail driver, that meant I had to use those tools. Because I haven't seen anybody except when they went to nail guns, and it's the same steel principle except you can not only hurt you but everybody else around you if you're not careful. One of the most difficult things that I see going on and I've seen going on in the church is to get you and me busy about using the tools that God's given us. I hear people say, well, you're not deep enough, preacher, in your preaching. You're not giving us the word. Are you using the tools Because I don't care how many, I don't care if you can use a CAD program like Gene Keith in the back who drew the plans that I built my house for the program. You can know the ins and outs, but my friend, there is nothing deeper than you obeying Jesus. I don't know anything any deeper. Well, what is it that you see so difficult? to get Christians to commit themselves to the matter of sharing Jesus. Thank God Almighty, last Saturday night, I was a little nervous this time with Hank Parker because he'd already been here once. I said, what could he actually do that was better than he did in 2013 when he was here? What message could he actually use in a way that good old boys and gals could hear the gospel? He's a professional fisherman. He's a professional, as far as I'm concerned, hunter. He has a program or did called Whitetail, I think. Wasn't that the name of it? Something. I, I've seen it a time or two. When he came, he could have beat his chest and, he, and, and, and spent the whole hour on how good of a fisherman he is. But instead, he talked about his dad and how his dad came to Jesus and how rough it was at home to live with an alcoholic dad. And to live with a brother who didn't know Jesus and how he thought he didn't have any problems so he thought he was okay and that he didn't need Jesus until one day the gospel message permeated his heart, exposed him and showed him that he needed something more and he needed Jesus. Thank God that at the end, 26 men were bold enough to write, I accepted Jesus Christ. 166 possible, maybe some of those even put, I I am saved, but I rededicated my life tonight. Now look. That's the Holy Spirit and Hank 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 Parker. I even called him Hank Williams. I got messed up on the stage. At least he didn't pop my hand on that. What about the Holy Spirit and you fill in your name? Because the same commission, the same call, the same construction is on you. That was on Hank and me. Hank told of when he'd take clients fishing, the first thing he found out was, man, do you know my Lord? Do you know Jesus? Christians today have become content to be keepers of the aquarium rather than being fisher of men. You know, I, I applaud everybody that were so, was so exhausted in the things that everybody did in this church to make that event possible, and the Bible in the New Testament makes it clear that some water, some fertilize, some plant the seed, and some are actually a part of seeing people come to know the Lord through a drawing of the net. But my friend... You and I have been called to be carpenters, and if we're not going to use the tools, what good is it? What good is it? I mean, it looks great, but each of us are to be carpenters for Jesus. Adrian Rogers, who passed away several years back, was sort of one of my mentors and one of my Icons in the ministry, and he made this statement. There are two types of Christians. There are those who are soul winners, and then there are those who are backslidden. Is that true? If we're a follower of Jesus, is it true that we're either sharing Jesus or backslid. That's a bold statement. Is it true? You know, I heard Adrian preach a lot of messages in all my life, and he pastored a church with 10,000 plus members and, and, and Bellevue Baptist in Memphis, Tennessee, and he loved God, and, and, and he's, his voice is still on the radio today preaching messages after he's gone and he's with Jesus. Was he just trying to guilt us as a church? Was he trying to guilt us as believers, or was he telling the truth? Because my Bible tells me that if I'm backslidden, then I need to repent, and I need to get it right. So my question is, are we using the tool? What tool are you talking about? Your mouth connected to your brain and your heart. We're seeing people say. We're using it? R.A. Torrey, one of the better authors on the book of, of, of prayer, said, I would like to ask what right does a man have to call himself a follower of Jesus if he's not a soul winner? Well, now, Mike, you don't understand. I'm shy. I'm timid. I'm, I'm afraid to talk in front of people. After all, Mike, that's what you do. You don't understand. You know where I get timid? You know where I get shy. It's not in front of you anymore. It's one-on-one of somebody that don't know me and don't know what I stand for. I get all nervous then, just like you. But I don't use it as an excuse. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 8 says, If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. Sharing Jesus is seeing people get saved, but it sometimes means they don't get saved when you share. I've led many people to the Lord because somebody else shared the gospel with them. The other night, when Hank so eloquently, brilliantly shared The salvation story. Some of them probably got saved because they had already heard from somebody else they needed to get saved, and the Holy Spirit connected them, and so they received. In the book, in Luke fifteen, verse seven and ten says, "There's more joy in heaven." over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. Now, you better hear that because while it's important that Butch Invest his life in Joan and Dwayne and all the other guys into the life of these men who, who need that. And it's important that you and I have a wild game supper that we can work hard around. And it's important that we have Bible study classes, that we can go and study the Bible. And it's important that we have discipleship going into the church so that we can mature and grow. But all of that is worthless if we won't share the message, and warn the world that Jesus is coming again. And if we won't warn people that if they don't get saved, they're going to bust hell wide open, then what you're doing is worthless. What I'm doing, preaching to you as a church, teaching, teaching, all the activities that I do, if I'm not willing to share Jesus with the lost world, then I have lost Amen. my purpose. And it ain't me, guys, alone. It's every person in here that claims to be a follower of Christ. I happen to believe that Adrian Rogers is right. You're either following Jesus as a soul winner or you're backslidden. Backslid, and we need to repent. There's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. Verse 10 says, there's joy in the presence of now notice in the presence of God's angels, when one sinner repents. So, somebody asked me, "How many people got saved the other night?" Because that's a probably about twenty-five to thirty thousand-dollar event. Now, in my human mind, and I, I have to admit, sometimes I have human thoughts like everybody else. Especially if I'm going too fast, and cop decides me to pull, pull me over. I don't cuss, but sometimes I think about writing it down. But whose fault was that? It's my fault. Why? I was speeding. Old Joe the other day didn't mean to. <laughs> he called me on the phone, and I, Lord of mercy. Some of you've had me talk to you and say, "Oh, wait a minute! Well, what I'm doing is putting my phone down because I'm passing James Fountain or somebody with a badge on." And it's been very difficult. I mean, it's, it's been very difficult for me because I didn't realize how addicted I am to my telephone. And, and I, I, Lord Jesus, I and mean, some of you are doing it, and, and we're all wrong for doing it. But Joe got caught. Joe has never had a ticket in his life. He told the officer, he said, Sir, he said, This is my first ticket. The cop said, Oh, man. Doggone. And he said, he, I know what he was doing. He said, My dad's pastor, solid rock pastor. <laughs> oh, you didn't? Right. Well, there have been times you got off the hook in your earlier days because of that, though. Anyway, it didn't work. By the way, how much is it if you get caught? Well, it's $50, but it's a point on your license. Point on your license and $50 if we get caught using the phone in the car. Well, he called me, and I just assumed he was parked somewhere, which I call him, and sometimes I'm traveling. I do have a Bluetooth, and I look at it every time I use my phone. (laughs) You know, there's rejoicing in the presence. Listen to this. In the presence of angels. Have you ever wondered why it wasn't the angels rejoicing? Don't say the angels were rejoicing. It says there's a rejoicing going on in the presence of angels. Angels don't know what it's like to be lost, except the ones in hell, and it's too late for them. The ones that are rejoicing in heaven when some one sinner gets saved is the ones that got saved and are in heaven. Well, how do you know there is a heaven? Because I know people up there are rejoicing. Every time somebody gets saved, who's rejoicing? Those that got saved. And you'll be rejoicing too. Well, how do they know? I don't know. But they know when people get saved here on earth. Is that all they know? I don't know. But they know that. As God's people, we need to be reminded that there's a world that is around us of people dying and sinners that are are perishing, and we're sitting here comfortable in the air conditioned, heated auditoriums while people around us are going to hell. Do you remember in Luke 16? Verse twenty seven. Rich man had already died. The Bible says immediately he woke up in hell. When he realized his environment, he had a memory, so he was thinking about his family. And the Scripture says that all of a sudden, they were dialoguing. Abraham and the rich man were dialoguing with a great gulf fixed between them. What's that mean? That means that in hell... They were able to see where God was. That's interesting, isn't it? And all of a sudden, the rich, man, or the rich man said, Abraham, send Lazarus back to tell my five brothers, lest they also come into this horrible place of torment. It's important that you and I understand. If we could, we'd save them all, but we can't save anybody. But we are supposed to tell them with love. I don't know about these soul winners that like to take the Bible, and because you see something wrong in somebody's life, that you think you're more spiritual than they are. You have to take the King James and pop them upside the head and warn them. Boy, you're a fine soul winner. You're not on my team if you do that. Because if we love Jesus, we'll come like Jesus did. We'll blend, not act like, not do but we will try to extend and develop relationships with people who were lost. You see, some people get this idea that they're pseudo-spiritual, therefore now they don't want to hang out with anybody that don't act like them, look like them, talk like them, think like them, and, and, and sometimes that borderline is cultic. Jesus was crucified by the religious leaders because he wanted lost people, people who needed a physician, people who needed healing, to hear from the doctor. When you think you've gotten so good and so high and mighty that you are better than somebody else, you're backslidden because I know we're not. And fact of it is, churches are declining, not because of demographics, not because of, even though that does affect you, not because of people splitting, but we're declining as a church, as a whole in the United States, because we have quit using the tools. We've quit warning people about a literal burning Hell. We quit taking the love of God and saying, man, if you were to die right now, and where would you go into eternity? If you don't have a good answer, there's a good chance I know where you're going. 1 John 5 says, I can know that I have eternal life, and I know that my Jesus lives within me through his Holy Spirit. Do you know that? Because if you don't, chances are you don't. You can get as good be as religious, know the Bible from Genesis, quoted from Genesis to the book of Revelation. But my then next question is: are you warning the lost? Are we? I know, Jody probably won't get to any of those points. Romans 10:1 says this, and this is Paul's heart. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, my prayers to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Now, it shouldn't be too hard to have a longing in your heart, to want to see your mama, to want to see your daddy, to want to see your relatives, your family, Get saved, but what about our friends? There you, there's some of you. And you got all kind of friends, in high and low places. Don't you care anymore? You shall be as the Holy Ghost come upon you, witnesses, of Jesus. And yet, we just don't have time anymore. We're too busy. Let me tell you what pastors say. I'm bogged down with every problem and work of the church and with administration and budgets and discipleship trainings Or trying to get something going for the men, making sure the women are going strong, the youth are going great, the children are okay. I'm making sure the health of the church. Those are good things. Making sure there's good teachers teaching sound doctrine in the Sunday. That's good, but that's not the most important. making sure that you're sound in doctrine that you've studied the word of God and that you know that that your doctrine is biblically sound though that's great and that's good but that's not going to determine whether you're a soul winner or not we have people that are counting on us you've got a family that's counting on you you got friends counting on you you got employees that you work with they're counting on you and if this day is the only day that you look religious and Monday through Saturday you can't tell the difference you're backslidden and you need to get it right Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just as guilty as you are. I had to come to grips this morning in the private hour of my heart. I didn't care whether people got saved or not anymore. That it was just easier to be busy. But friend, you and I cannot, will not ever be right with Father unless we care about the lost. Even if you believe this thing is all wound up, people still need to be warned. People need to be saved. Your buddies are counting on you. And I know of no better person to tell them but you. I thank God Jimmy goes to Honduras, and he's fixing to leave tomorrow. We need to pray for him. And he's got an opportunity beyond all opportunities to see a lot of folks saved. And Jimmy knows this better than I do. If we're not willing to lead people to Christ in America, what makes us right with God to go to Honduras and share? Wouldn't we be hypoc- hypocrites? I was faced with that in Mexico where we were bragging on what we did in Mexico and seeing all the people got saved. And then I realized, dear God, I'm not doing that here. I'm such a hypocrite. So what did we do? We started a food. Well, the food ministry was going for over 20 years. And, and we'd come back and, and and it got on Ed's heart and my heart and and. and and we started a medical clinic. A lot of the things that I saw in the, early, in the com- current countries that we would go in, and we feel so good about doing it there, we can't get nobody to do it here, hardly. Something glamorizes it when it gets out of the country, I guess. We're backslidden toward America. We're backslidden. When it comes to everyday life, because there's people all around us all the time. But are we sharing? And I'll admit, there are times I just don't. I just don't. And I'm just guilty. So I'm trying to sit down here and let, I'm on a little one high, step too high. I'm level where you're at. Now, are we going to stay in that condition? Or are we going to repent? Do you want to know how to share your faith? I've got men that will come in here in, in less than a week and teach you how to do that. Show you how. We've got 26 men that we have not even been to see yet. I need some of you guys to step up because myself and the staff and, and Mike Denny as the men's leader, we're, we're trying to formulate the men. Why don't you agree? Because here's what we want to do. We want to go to those homes, and we want to give them a Bible. And March the 25th, we're going to have a dear Ch- chili supper here with Stacy Dyer coming from Cleveland to speak to our men. And we're going to invite them, give them a little flyer, and just invite them to come. Is that hard? And all you got to do is say, "Man, I'm so grateful that you're saved. Is there anything I can pray with you about? If you can't do that, then you have either you don't know Jesus or you backslip. I need some of you guys to step up. I need about 26 men. We can do it all in one night with your head bowed.